Hello and welcome back to the In and Around podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Will Hunt, and joining me this week is Mikey Breslin. Hello. And Dave Harris, aka Hello. the Hitman. Brilliant. <laughs> Hello. Yeah, that's that's a new thing where Dave is just for the uninitiated listeners who don't actually know Dave in real life, which I, I hope is a lot of you. Um Dave has many nicknames and over the next couple of weeks of the pod, as a little series for you, I'll be introducing you to some of them. But anyway, <laughs> What's the Around podcast all about? Well, every week, three friends, or depending on how mean I've been to Dave, two friends, uh, <laughs> get together and discuss and debate issues in and around the world of football. On this week's episode, we're going to be reacting to um, UEFA's decision not to ban Man City from the Champions League for breaches of FFP. And we're also going to discuss whether or not this could be the death of FFP. But before all of that, how are you both? Good. Don't both jump yeah. in, Christ! Uh, I've I've been better after uh, yesterday's debacle at Old Trafford, but oh, that was sensational, wasn't it? Um, but other than that, life life's okay. Dave, have a few times since we last spoke. Oh well, yeah. Um... Yeah. I've, having said, I wasn't that bothered about it. I've actually been quite a few times. I'm I'm okay. I'm just uh, now fearful of. What other nicknames could uh could make it onto the pod, really? Yeah, so, when, maybe I'm not okay anymore. Just just an interesting side note for the list, listeners or viewers, as Dave likes to call them. Um, I actually got Dave's nickname uh, wrong in the intro. It's not Hitman; it's Hollowman. Um, <laughs> Hollowman Harris. Anyway, so what are we talking about this week? The old Manchester City ban. So on Monday. Um, you could just about hear, I think it was about 11 o'clock in the morning, you could just about hear screams from various parts of London, various parts of Manchester and various parts of Leicester, as many teams finally realised that fifth place wouldn't be enough for the Champions League and that City weren't going to have their two-year ban upheld. Um, Before we get into nitty-gritty of it, lads, what was your reaction upon, your gut reaction upon hearing the news? Pretty surprised, actually. Yeah, I was surprised. Um, I, I'd always said to most people that I spoke to about that I felt like it, the ban would probably come down to a year, mm-hmm. which would be a, a happy middle ground, I guess, for UEFA and, and kind of for City. Um, a year wouldn't have been so disastrous, probably for reasons we'll get onto, uh, I'm sure. I just felt like, well... Yeah, I'm sure we'll get onto that as well. But I felt like they had done some, there was obviously some wrongdoing, which mm-hmm. meant they were going to get banned, but it probably wasn't going to be as severe as it had been. Mm-hmm. Dave? Yeah, I was I was quite shocked, to be honest. I, yeah, like Mike was saying, I was expecting there to be some sort of ban, whether it was reduced to like a year or even said two years um, pre. Yeah, pretty amazed they've got away from it of no ban, to be quite honest. So what's happened is the City were um, accused of this, um, what's it called? Uh, what would they actually call it? I just want to actually look it up because I think it's important. And they were just accused of dis- disguising equity funds as sponsorship contributions. Um, and what happened, their initial thing was they were going to be fined £30 million and they were going to have a two-year ban from European competition, which obviously raised all the questions, <laughs> quite a lot of questions for City. However, what's happened is they've appealed to the Court of Arbitration to Sport, 
and they've come back and they've said, right, you're not guilty of um, breach. You're not guilty of disguising equity funds as sponsorship contributions. What you've actually done, what we're actually charging you is you're not. Um, <laughs> we're charging you, you for not cooperating with the investigation, which is hilarious. Yeah. Uh, and then um, they've been fined 10 million. So that's what's actually happened, which is quite something. So just quickly, Mike, um, how much of a relief is this for City? Well, this is huge news. Um, I think <clears throat> there was big questions, obviously, about which we discussed on the pod before about Guardiola's future. De Bruyne was saying that two years was probably out of the Champions League. Um, when you consider their main aim, now they've won multiple Premier Leagues, is the Champions League. Mm-hmm. Um, that is the one thing, really, that Pep was brought in to do, which hasn't done yet. They've got a good chance this summer, but now, without the two-year ban, they can obviously just continue. If they don't win it this year, they've got another chance next year. Um, it's also, as I'm sure we'll discuss, big for some other teams mm-hmm. uh, in the yeah. Premier League. Yeah. But City, a lot of their concerns that they would have had are now gone. Um, Sterling stays, De Bruyne stays, as I said, yeah, Pep. I imagine we'll stay. We don't, still don't exactly know what he's going to do because um, he seems to reach sort of an end of his cycle, as it were. Yeah, he's signed on. And at Bayern. He does the classic Mourinho three years at yeah. a club, which is what they sort of recommend you do. Dave, um, for City, obviously huge relief for them as a club and everything. Um, we've talked about... Um, talked in the past about um how big a pull the champions league is for a cl- is for clubs for city keeping hold of kevin de bruyne is massive for them but is it also good for the premier league that this ban hasn't actually happened yeah i mean yeah i mean it's it would be a shame for the league let alone man city as a club to lose a player that's as brilliant as kevin de bruyne um i think with the league as a whole um Obviously, the last couple of years, well, especially last year, not really the current season as much, Man City have been right up there and you'd say probably the only challenger, to, real challenger to this Liverpool team. Mm. Um, so if Man City had, you know, had this ban and le- probably would have led to quite a few star players leaving... Uh, you're taking away like the biggest team that can compete with the current champions. And obviously, everyone, whoever you support, wants a league that's competitive, even right at the top. Yeah, I mean, um, they got Liverpool off their throne. <laughs> that um, is key. Key, yeah. I do also think with City, obviously, as much as it would have been a punishment for wrongdoings, would would really have been a shame for them to have been dismantled in this way, especially given yeah. that they've built the team as a project over quite a few years. They've assembled these players over the last four or five years, really, with a few additions here and there. They've A lot of them are starting to hit their peaks. Players like Sterling seem to be getting better and better every year, frankly. Um, and if that team was to be basically dismantled yeah. because of a ruling where they're banned from the Champions League, 
it'd be a huge impact, I think, on the Premier League as a whole. Yeah, you've you've hit on something there because um, I don't know if any if the two of you have watched um, the the documentary The Last Dance about um, Dean John Balls and how the how the fantastic documentary. Yeah, it's re- it's really it's really good. It, it's more propaganda piece, I think, than documentary. <laughs> Um, I don't care. But it, it, it is fantastic. It's great fun. Um, but the interesting thing is, they obviously they went out on a high, having won their sixth championship um, in eight years. How and the two years they didn't win was because he took a retirement. But that being said, was we never actually saw we never saw John's team get beat. Um, and we have seen this City team be beat, but it's a bit different in football in terms of you have slightly longer cycles. But we. You need team. You need the great. The great teams have all eventually failed, and that's what also made them. That also helped the next great team overcome them. And for City to be dismantled in the middle of a rivalry by off-the-field incidents would be, would be aside from if if they've done something wrong, then they need to be punished. But it would it would be wrong, in terms of it would feel wrong to us in, in a sporting way. Um, yeah. But with that being said, Mike, you're a United fan and I'm a I'm a Chelsea fan. We're both. Yeah, currently... it'd be a shame to. Yes, yeah, sorry. Both currently fighting for fourth. Um, and I don't know about you, but as results have been slightly dodgy, I've been thinking, to, oh, we might get fifth. That could be okay. That could be all we need. Um, so we did you have a little bit of a, a little bit of like a oh, the top four races just all of a sudden got really serious. Uh, yeah, it was a bit of a bit of a grimace Monday morning, that's yeah. for sure. Um, which turned to more of a frown by uh, Monday <laughs> evening. Um, yeah, I mean, I guess every team up there will have always had in the back of their mind that fifth place may well be enough. Now the goalposts have changed. You have to get the top four, which really is a good thing. That's what it should be. Yeah, I agree. Um, the four best teams. Over 38 games, um, which does make United's job harder. They're obviously chasing still after last night's result. Mm. Um, Chelsea, yeah, I mean they could could have afforded to drop some points. They now probably can't. Yeah, <laughs> it was great. It was just a quick tangent. It was the most Chelsea weekend of all time. They lost three 0 in an absolute <laughs> disaster class performance and still stayed in third. I was like, this is a joke, an absolute joke. Yeah, you lot deserve <laughs> to be moved out of the top four after that. After, yeah, I tell you what, we've been we've been better. Side note, we've been better better this season than um, in the totality, I reckon, than United and Leicester. I know that their forms have hotted up a bit, but I think at least with Chelsea, they've been consistently good and awful. Whereas a great yeah. job, both of them have just been terrible. Anyway, that's a tangent, and it's it's boring. Um. I guess then. I guess the other question about City having <laughs> City having Champions League back is, we've talked about if City got the one-year ban, we reckoned a lot of the players would stay, and we'd have a fit and motivated Man City to just regain the domestic stranglehold they had before Liverpool took it away. Um, I guess what I'm saying to you, Dave, is do you think it's a good thing for Liverpool that City are still in the Champions League next year in terms of thinking about the title race? Yeah, I mean, there's a couple of ways to look at it, really. I mean, one one way to look at it is that obviously Man City will have those games 
So there are more games in their calendar, which which means you're going to have the same focus, really. Um, mm-hmm. Obviously, if Liverpool had Champions League and Man City had had no European competition, um, then yeah, they're, they're obviously going to have to worry about fixture congestion. But also think from a, another side of it, it keeps, maybe it will keep Liverpool's integrity even higher. Um just they know they're going to have to push themselves because Man City is still going to be full strength. Hold it's up. not like they can take their foot off the gas because realistically, I think psychologically, and if your nearest rival, he even so, you've nearest rival this year, you've swept side by a mile. If they get weakened further, it, surely you think that yeah, this this league's as before it's even begun possibly so I think it's good for Liverpool that they know they're still going to have to play on a level playing field because I think it's when teams think that they're too good that it all goes wrong and Liverpool won't be able to have that peace of mind that's a good point um, Brez for you are you <laughs> I tell you what, there's a lot of different reactions to this news but was part of you I know me and you had spoken about perhaps just thinking how dominant could Man City be if they all they focused on was the league. Um, it's a, in a bit of a way, almost a bit of a shame that we didn't get to see what they could do. Uh, to be fair, I would have loved to see them just going hammer and tong for the league. Well, and well, pretty much going for the domestic treble, I guess, because they've won pretty much all the domestic cups for the last few years as well. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it would have been quite a sight. You wouldn't have seen as much pep rotation as we sometimes do, which gets uh, myself and other fancy football managers pretty upset most weekends. Um, I imagine I imagine he'd have gone full strength pretty much every week. Yeah, <laughs> I, I suppose the the other the other impact of this is Pep's shopping list for the summer. Um, you'd say that City are one of the City are one of the few teams like um, Unite. United, um, Real Madrid, for example, who are a bit more COVID-proof because their um, their owners are willing to put the money in. Um, <laughs> as we've seen, this is why they're in this mess. Um, <laughs> yeah. but, uh, but I mean, just take just today, for example. I can't. I think I saw something from Bleacher Report where they said um, they were their list of their targets. I think was Haaland, Latura Martinez, Kai Havertz, Ferran Torres. Uh, Kingsley Coman, all wingers to replace Sane and a two couple of strikers in there too, probably to replace Aguero. And then three centre halves of Ake, Koulibaly and Alaba. Mm. So Good Lord. <laughs> yeah. So you'd say all of them, except for maybe Nathan Ake and maybe Torres, aren't coming to them without Champions League football. No matter who no matter Pep Guardiola being in charge, no matter what else is going on, oh, you wouldn't say that they would equally come. So what I'm the question I'm going to ask to you is: Can you do you see them spa- splashing the clap? Yeah, splashing the Now, I, I believe that we, we're going to get on to the death of fi- potential death of financial yeah. fair play, but I believe we, there's a window now where owners can put money in, right? Yeah. Which is kind of what's happening at Chelsea, I, I think. Yeah. In which case, in which case, yeah, I can see them spending a lot of money. Um, Although, to be fair, they, they've fallen foul of the regulations and got around it anyway, so they may have just spent a load. 
Um, I, I think that, I think City are going to go big this summer. I yeah, they go big. I, I've heard that they, they've got Koulibaly agreed already. Yeah, I, do, I, I don't mean, know how correct that is. He's a fantastic player, but he's 29. He's coming off a bad season. That to me, that to me has that ha, that has flashing warning lights. But then well, again, there was a couple. Alaba as well. He must be how old is he? He's 26. Oh, okay. <laughs> you see, the problem with that, problem with David Alaba is he started playing when he was like twelve. <laughs> so, oh, yeah, so, <laughs> so the rest of us, are, every time he's one of those players that every time he comes up, you're just looking at him like, how is he still going? I thought he must have been like a couple of years behind Lamb. It's like Tom, it's like Thomas Muller. Every time I see Thomas Muller and it's like he's twenty eight, I'm like, that's not right. He's a forty five year old man. I but um, twenty eight. Wow. Twenty eight. Yeah. Okay. So he's a bit older. Um. Okay, let's move on from actually Man City to discuss perhaps the impact of this ruling on UEFA. Um, so, before we get started, I've ranted. If you haven't listened to our original podcast where we talked about the City um, fine when it was initially announced, go and listen to it and you can get my thoughts on financial fair play. Spoiler alert. I'll drop it. I'll drop it, hate it below this. Spoiler alert. Fucking hate it. It's a terrible idea. <laughs> However, that being said... Uh, what do you two think of it in principle? I think in principle it could be a good idea. However, fingers with financial fair play is if you're going to put it down on, obviously financial fair play doesn't even work necessarily how much off what the teams spend or what percentage of revenue it's, uh, they spend. It solely comes down to accounts. So, as you can imagine, like a one of the big Premier League teams, for example, they could go out and spend way more money than anyone else. But chances are, they have more money in their accounts and more money that their owners can put in over time. So they're they're not actually going to fall out of line of what they need to. They're allowed to lose. Whereas lesser teams could spend a fraction of what they do on players, but still make a loss which is much smaller they end up breaching financial fair play but mm. on the same time you can't punish teams for spending spending big money on players because at the end of the day everyone as a football fan wants to see either their team or at least their, the league that their team's in be the highest quality that it can and everyone knows that with the Premier League with most of the top teams in are you know some of the biggest spenders in the whole of world football let alone let alone you know just <laughs> the prem as a whole so like man city liverpool man united chelsea as chelsea already proven this year they can go out and make big signings and as a neutral fan i guess because birmingham city aren't anywhere near the prem even i'm excited to see players like Werner and ziach yes yeah. it's, it's something that helps with the game and I don't think, I don't know, I think it's just a stupid way to try and gatekeep, yeah. really. It's like, you either, with the thing that gets me in financial fair play is it sort of needs to have like an independent body that overlooks everything if they're going to do it properly. Whereas, as we've seen, and we'll probably touch on later, for example, the EFL tries to keep quite tight on it. Mm which means it's enforced in a way more harsher and ridiculous manner than probably any other competition in, in at least England, if not Europe as a whole. Yeah. Brez, 
Do you like it? Do you not like it? <laughs> well, um, as Dave, I think, kind of said there, it, it kind of stops teams like City doing what City did again, or, mm-hmm. or Chelsea even back in the day when Abramovich took over. Yeah. It makes it a lot more difficult for a team to break into the, the elite, as it were, because you have to be making the revenue to then be able to spend again. Mm-hmm. Um, so in that sense, I don't really like it because I, I like the idea of clubs being ambitious and going out and trying to break into the top six, the top four, whatever it might be, to get into Europe. Um, however, one stat that I could not believe that uh, Gab Marcotti from ESPN said, I was mm-hmm. watching some of the ESPN FC earlier. Oh, Christ. Before, yeah, I know. <laughs> Craig Burley. This is, yeah, this is where we are. Um, he said, I, now I've not seen this stat anywhere. He said, that the teams in Europe were losing 1.4 billion euros the year that financial fair play came in. And yeah. now, as a collective, they're making a profit. That's quite a turnaround in eight years. Yeah. Uh, I still don't like it, though. But no. the idea was to make things more sustainable, which, if you look at that stat, taken kind of out of context, it probably has worked. But mm-hmm. I still hate it on footballing integrity and stuff. I don't really like it. Dave? Just quickly on that stat, as impressive as it seems, is that really the case or are, are they just being more clever with their accounts and how they file them now because it's something they have to look out for? Well, fo- football, um, uh, there's, a guy, there's a guy called Jake Cohen who goes in, he's a lawyer and he goes into detail about Chelsea's accounts and some of the clever, some of the clever things they do and just in terms of turning it around. It is interesting though because I do think, I do think there's obviously in terms of it working, take Chelsea for example Chelsea took it on board and um, although they're willing to spend a bit now for the last couple of years it's been one in one out like you look at the net spend it's not particularly high and you talk about Ziyech and Werner but they're funded wholly by selling Hazard and Morata Um, Mm -hmm. so some of the big clubs like Chelsea are taking it on board but it is that's not where the problem is for me yeah I was just going to say Roma in Italy as well, their, their president, I think, came or president at the time came out and said they only sold Salah because they needed to meet the financial fair play stuff. Yeah, so it has it has affected some big clubs around Europe, but then we see some other yeah. clubs that have managed to get around it. Yeah, F- financial fair play is one of those things to me that when I think it, it's almost like if you look it up in a dictionary, it's right next to the word well intentioned. It's a good i. It's a good. Yeah, it is a good. It's a good idea. Concept. In principle, concept, it's a good idea. What they're trying to achieve by it from it is good. How they're going about yeah. doing it isn't particularly good because we've sat in here and we've absolutely we've raged about um, gatekeeping in the past. So I don't want to do it too much, but there is Gary Gary Neville made a point quite a while ago that the top clubs would like the top clubs would like a European Super League in which they could basically move to like an NBA franchise style model where it's the the London Chelsea or whatever or the Manchester Manchester United or whatever um, <laughs> and they just and you just sort of go from there sounds however, like pro either yeah it's terrible however that's that to me as a football fan is not what I, I like and as much as as much as that would benefit my club when we were talking about the Newcastle takeover, I thought to myself, it's such a shame that, well, it's not a shame that their owners could come in, <laughs> but it's such a shame if a club like that 
was to have money put into it now because of these new rules they can't take advantage of the things that Chelsea and City wanted to do and you know it's not actually just Chelsea and City because if if you want if you sit there and you say oh Chelsea and City just have been bought built from money well I've got news for you when doesn't matter when your club is invented at some point someone's stuck in a load of money in it and it became big and that's the difference between the big and small clubs every now and then like United had the class of 92, which helped them reach that next level. But you're absolutely yeah. kidding yourself if man, if you think Manchester United at some point didn't take advantage of being financially bigger than other people. And just because, and just, just because you, um, the problem for me is also like you've got all these United make billions of dollars every year based solely on their historical past, which means they can spend historically more than everyone else. So, it, in the spirit of financial fair play, it's not really fair. No, it's not. Dave? My thing that sort of does annoy me with financial fair play a little bit, and this is more especially towards like the Premier League and those bigger teams in Europe, but probably just the top leagues, really. Like They're failing to grasp that at the end of the day how much we love football as a sport. It's become every football club is a business. If they want to, t- if they want to take a gamble and invest a lot of money in a player in the hopes it turns them around and makes them generate more money, wins titles, wins trophies, X, Y, Z, then they should be allowed to do that. And with every club being a business, if that goes wrong, they're going to have to settle it themselves in some way. They're going to have to offload players. That's just business. They don't need someone on top of that going. Uh, by the way, guys, you're going to go like five million over what you're allowed to lose. They're already a business that's dealing with their own loss. Like at the end of the day with football owners on the whole, obviously we see some duff ones with some clubs end up in, in big trouble. But most of them are very, very astute businessmen and women. Like if they make a loss, they'll deal with that themselves as business people. You don't. The thing they should be regulating is like the people taking over as a whole, uh, for example, with Wigan, just there should be regulations in that regard. And also it should be more of a, it should be more assistive rather than just, like, what's the point of finding a team that you're already telling is mm-hmm. bad financially? Like, what <laughs> is that about? It's so, absolutely ludicrous. It, so, um, yeah, we don't like it. None of us like it. Terrible I like idea. the idea of it. I don't so, like to an extent, I to don't like the idea. I like the intention. I like the intention more than I like the idea. Um, but let's just think about it. Like some Real Madrid, PSG, City have played have paid some fines in the past. I know Galatasaray. I think were banned from European competition for breaching it. Which, and it, it just it very much feels to me again that it's it's money talks, bullshit walks. Like <laughs> if you've got the money to pay your lawyers, your wafer are so clueless that. You can just get around it. Like the best thing, the best thing today. Like UEFA submitted some evidence that was outside the five minute, five year investigation period. So the judge went, "No, that's not admissible." And UEFA went, "Uh, duh." <laughs> just fucking morons. They're just totally useless. And I guess that's the second question: How much does this ruling bring into account the thing that City fans, in particular, have always said about UEFA, in that? It's it's a bullshit boys club and they're corrupt. How big how big a dent in their already limited reputation is this ruling, Mike? Uh, yeah, I'd imagine they're um, 
pretty concerned about the future of being able to actually enforce it. Their reputation's never been amazing. Um, theirs at all FIFA's, to be honest. No. Um, that will only have taken a, a further dent, given they seem to just pick on teams that they want to pick on and then leave some of the other ones. Like you were saying Galatasaray, the, the, one, the main um, teams that they've stopped playing in Europe have been, well, they tried to do Man City, they tried to get a PSG, Turkish clubs and Italian clubs, and that's been, those have been the ones. Uh, I think PSG got theirs overturned as well. Yeah. Uh, and so that's, Man City. What a surprise, there's um, a loophole in it. Yeah. So, <laughs> I, I mean, I don't really know how much power they actually have over the big, big clubs anymore, which is a bit concerning given all the talk that keeps coming up about the European Super Leagues, as, as we said earlier. Yeah. They easily just break away and tell you to do one. Yeah. Um. Here's the thing. Here's just a quick tangent. Do you know what my favourite thing is? Every time uh, a club gets in trouble with UEFA or FIFA, they go, all of them are like, well, we'll try and look at the Court of Arbitration for Sport. And half the time, <laughs> half the time, they half what's wrong with it. Or they just say, no, what are you two bellends doing to them? It's just great. It's fantastic. <laughs> Every time. It's like, it's just, it's that when someone's been, someone's been a Burke team and you're just like, right, I'll ask your boss. And then your boss is like, what the fuck are they on about? <laughs> it's pretty funny that you all the governing bodies fund CAS and CAS has still overturned it. Yeah. So yeah. you wait for a pain for CAS to exist and CAS have just gone, yeah, you're absolute idiots. We're yeah. overturning your decision. Um, in terms of the punishment for breaching financial fair play, so there's, this is the one I don't understand is, there's, so they ban you from being in a competition they ban you, and then they give you fines to get you yeah. more. Why don't they just ban you from signing players? Yeah. The windows. That's, is that the most logical one, Dave? That is. Uh, I mean, I pretty yeah. We had a transfer embargo. I'm pretty sure in the last Still season. To sign a player. <laughs> yeah, we did because they, they didn't note. They didn't note. This is actually. I, I wish this was a joke. Supposedly, it's not. So apparently with Blues, they'd been away for pre-season, came back and um, they basically allegedly turned on one of the fax machines and Pedersen's... <laughs> no, I'm not even joking. Pedersen's no. thing came out first. This is not real. And then the second thing that came out was the transfer ban from the, <laughs> the EFL. And we'd already completed the paperwork because it was the first thing, allegedly. I cannot and with believe... Blues, no, but with Blues, I wouldn't be surprised, is, is my stance on it. Um, I just can't believe they still use fax machines. Mate, mate. Maybe <laughs> wow, it's God, Blues, it's... mate. We've been, we've been selling all sorts of stuff. We, yeah. sold fur- we sold training ground furniture a few years back. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> Who knows what, really what we're up to. It really is the blind, isn't it? Um, <laughs> no, it's very... But it's surely that's the thing you punish them with. They can't buy players, so they can't spend more money in, in theory. Um, and if they need to settle the books, they can sell someone. Although, saying that as well, wow, it's just going to be an EFL rant. Strap right. yourself in. So, um, so, uh, <laughs> that's, that's a good point, actually, Dave, because you, 
<laughs> we've talked about how it's affected the big clubs, but there probably is a. It certainly is more stringently applied in the EFL. So, would you like to take a couple of minutes to tell us how it's applied in EFL? It's remember that the people might be listening on a high volume, so don't shout. I, I won't. It's just the way EFL rule it is is pretty mind-boggling, to be honest. Like with with <laughs> Blues, they tried to make a sell uh, in the January last year, so the 2018-19 season. They told us we had to offload our players which we refused to do. But but imagine if they'd gone public and said we had to do that. We're already in financial dire straits. We sold Shea Adams for 20 million. We would have lost him for probably a tenth of that price. Yeah. It's, it's just the very... I think the way to describe the EFL with financial fair play is they don't regulate who buys clubs. No. But they're very... They're very fast to come down on clubs that fall out of uh, strict lines of basically finance finances. Like Aston Villa broke financial fair play in the championship the season they went up last year. But because the league believed that they were going to go up, they didn't outline any punishments that they would have had unless they lost the playoff final. Whereas if that's a team fighting for relegation... Like we're seeing with Wigan this season, they've already basically been handed a a death notice. That is they... slightly different, but yeah, but Villa's also Villa's also an interesting one in terms of that you can bring financial fair play in and it doesn't actually really sort out your finances. It's just clever accounting. Because when Villa got taken over a few years ago, they were like two days away from administration. And it just yeah. so happened that the day that the new owners bought the club, they were they a, could, it was it was the change of date, so they could pump a ton of money back in. So basically, they immediately pumped they all the money it, they could back in. They bought it. They bought it in a week where the start of the week was the last few days of the like season financial period. So they put the max money in. A few days later, yeah. it became the new start of the financial yeah. season, and they put all the max money in then too. But that they're allowed to put it in a season. But that's them. That's them complying in a way with financial fair play in terms of oh, you know, it's doing it. However, it's however, however, it misses the principle of what it is. Is that that's a club yeah. clearly well beyond their means. Yeah, it shouldn't be doing what it's doing. However, through clever accounting, is doing it. And when you consider that, you're not gonna like this, Dave. But Aston Villa is a historically big club. It's yeah, the, no, it's, no, it's, I'm not gonna deny that. It's it's far and away the biggest club in the West Midlands and it has a claim to being the, one of the biggest clubs in the Midlands. Has aren't, they still, aren't they still in the top five of of England for like trophies in their history to yeah. be fair? So yeah, I'm, I'm not on a, not going to add more, like they have nothing. I'm more talking in terms of they're just, they're just a big club. But they're a big club that's not living within its within their means. And so if they can't do it and they're having to get by with dodgy accounting, even before this, when you consider the aims and intentions of financial fair play, it's already failed. It might not have, it might not have failed exactly, but it has already failed in a way. But anyway, the EFL does. Well, I just they don't regulate anyone that buys the clubs, which means there's basically a merry-go-round of of clubs that end up with new owners that are terrible or owners that already seem bad intention but they have the money to prop themselves up as seem incredible which is basically what's happened at blues with these current owners 
they came in, had a fair amount of money, threw a lot of money at Harry Redknapp, which went disastrously. Um, <laughs> and ever since, yeah, almost. And ever since that, we have been struggling to pay players. Our accounts keep coming out, and basically, where it seems like if there was like a nuclear clock for Birmingham City, we're like two minutes to midnight of just going bust. Um, <laughs> it's just ridiculous. That Athletic actually has a, a really good article about the we ownership. Not, we are not that, sponsored by them. Of the oh, ownership yeah. of Blues. And just how there's like a guy they call Mr. King who's at the top, but no one actually knows who he is. He's just some random guy in the consortium from China who flies over sometimes it's really it's really a joke and then Wigan are in their current predicament somehow having only been bought out like four or five weeks ago they obviously there's the whole thread I've seen on Twitter of what may be going on there but I don't really want to discuss that I don't want to speculate yeah it's just pure speculation Um, then Hull for example were a team that are struggling. Their owners pretty much had no money even since their last season in the Premier League. He's still there. Uh, I think financial fair play should be around to help teams as much as it should be to punish them, which again is maybe out of VFL's control. However, Premier League gives teams parachute payments. Admittedly, they have to be relegated to get that. But with the Championship, I feel sometimes that they should take into account um, like short-term problems, not long-term problems. Like, for example, a team like Fulham, I would expect that they, if they don't go up... Let's not call them a team. Okay, places. Um, If they don't go up this season, I'd be interested to see what happens to them with financial fair play because they're got a lot of players on pretty big wages you want to talk about a tiny their club ground's too. not yeah their ground's not big they don't have like a huge fan side. base i i'm interested to see what happens to a team like fulham i think derby are slowly going the same way and They've... sheffield wednesday which is why they i don't even know if they are going to get punished i, I lost track uh but with like selling their grounds there's so many teams in the that championship should be pretty soon by the way because the thing is with the championship now, it's there's two there's two ways you play the championship if you're a club. You either throw money at it and you try and you try and get into the Premier League, or you just try and live with within your means. And most teams that come up from League One, very much like we're seeing in the Premier League most of the time, there's one or two teams every year that just try and play how they did in, in the lower league. Maybe some a couple of players don't throw any big wages, don't throw any transfer budgets around. Then there's teams that are forced to play within their own means. I, for example, teams like Blues, Middlesbrough also are financially not great. So, as much as on paper we have some good championship players, as much as on paper they have good championship players, the owners pretty much can't do anything to actually strengthen with any transfers. It's basically just you hold on to those players until someone buys them or you either get relegated or they just run out of their contracts. So championships getting to a point with how they lead with financial fair play that the basically teams are forced to either throw money, which could risk 
financial turmoil or going up, or they already have done that, which is why they're near the bottom. It's just a very, <laughs> very poor way of them to try and rule the league, I think. It's precarious, and every time you read about the championship, it's 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 terrifying. Um, yeah, it really is. It's absolutely terrifying in terms of the finances. Just a quick note, if you do want to read that athletic piece, Dave has a code for you. It's Holloman uh, Harris. Just enter it into the athletic and you won't get a discount. Um, <laughs> gents, to be honest, I think we've we've bled dry the topic of financial fair play. Um, we all think it's a terrible idea. Um, the EFL and mugs, UEFA and mugs, Premier League and mugs. I'm just throwing that in there. Uh, the refereeing body and mugs, um, Keppers and mug, um, Emerson's and melon. Uh, Brace, you got anything else you want to add? Yeah, I've, I've just been reading how much the parachute payments are. Oh, it's been yeah. Sorry, sorry to go back to this. So, in solidarity payments the Premier League pays 100 million to 64 EFL clubs anyone want to guess what the other eight teams in para- who were receiving parachute payments in 17-18 got don't, don't they get 40 million a season pretty much so 243 million between those eight clubs meanwhile the other 64 get 100 split between them waffle absolutely it's a joke isn't it I don't, that can't be right. That just cannot be right. Yeah, but, but that's the thing. That's the thing with the championship. It's it's such a dangerous game. Like you say, if you throw money at it in the hope you get into the Premier League and and you, and your money's reimbursed and you win, you win. It's basically like going and putting a couple of hundred million on a, a roulette table and say, here we are. Let's try and do it. And if it all goes wrong, I'll oh, fuck it. We're dead. But yeah. you know, uh, to be honest, I, I, I don't have an answer for you. Don't have an answer for you. But luckily, I don't know not, what a better way is, but there's got to be a better way. Than I, that. I think the only thing for me is, I think that Dave's right. There needs to be. I don't know how to do it, but the term, the level of checks they need to do when someone wants to buy a football club has to be massive, because I know that they're buying the football club and then they own the football club. But your football club belongs to your community as well. And to think of think of like think of poor Berry and think of um, think of Wigan for example. If if you lose a football club in those times, then I mean, quite frankly, for Wigan, what else have you got left? I mean, you're a good rugby team, but Christ, no one would ever also, want to Also, look at teams like Portsmouth that had poor ownership and yeah. are still in the doldrums, whereas we remember them as being in Europe and a pretty good Premier League team. I remember them giving Tal Ben-Aim 40 grand a week. That's when I knew they were done. <laughs> Interestingly enough, if the Bournemouth do go down, keep an eye on Bournemouth. They're the next Bournemouth. Yeah, they're in, yeah, they're in serious trouble. Team. But I think they're still playing Jermaine Defoe 90 grand a week. Yeah. Um, anyway, that'll do it for this week. So thank you for joining us, um, Dave. If the people want to follow you for more EFL-themed rants, where can they do that? Uh, it's at Dave Harris underscore forty-four. And if you want to follow Mike for explanations about why um, clubs in the north of England can also spend a ton of money on new players who might be considered the new Firmino, but actually turn out to be an absolute dog's bollock. Um, and not in a good way. Uh, where can they follow you, Mike? Uh, yeah, it's at, at Mikey Breslin. Uh, if you want to hear my uh, rookie of the year prediction for next year. Yeah, this just in, it's Jefferson. Um, <laughs> and you can follow me at Wilhunt17, but please don't. Please instead follow us at In and Around Pod on all the socials, including Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and whew, Depop. Um, 
until next time, uh, if you've got any questions, you can email us at inandaroundpod at gmail.com or just send us a message on any of those socials and Mike will pick it up. <laughs> <laughs> and honestly, give us give us a follow there because uh, Mike Bresnan is doing some very interesting watch-alongs. So. All right. All until right. next time, goodbye.